0: Hello and welcome back to the latest edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five. It is August twenty first, two thousand twenty, and the Omni Talk Fast Five is brought to you by Fast Sensor and Takeoff. I am joined, as always, by my partners in arms and Mazinga.
1: It's the uh, Omni Talk like hoedown of edition today i think we chris is wearing plaid which i maybe have seen him wear never in the entire time i've known you and i have a denim shirt on
0: You do. I do. is thankfully classing us up she emma. is and of course, emma the intern how are you
2: good but i mean i'm wearing gym shorts out at my bottom so
0: <laughs> okay am <good>. i <laughs> really
2: classing it up
0: Right. Very nice. I, I don't know. Yeah, more more so than than we are probably because I have gym shorts on on the bottom. Dress too. for
1: your day, Emma. Just dress for your day. Chris and I are yeah. apparently going to like go pull, uh, walk beans or something after this episode, no. but who knows? And
0: I am a lumberjack, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, before we lose the audience entirely on that <laughs> little interlude. Man, I think we need a moment of silence, folks.
1: Oh, I know, Chris. How are you doing? I, I,
0: I it's been a it's been a tough it's been a tough week. I don't know if you saw this, but in the retail headlines, Gap has actually closed. It's is has made the announcement that it's closing its flagship store uh, in the Flood Building on Market Street in San Francisco. I am devastated. Uh, I worked in that store a couple days, you know, through the course of my life. I used to take all my Saturday afternoon dates through that store oh my God, um, you're back in the day weird. when I was working at the gap just to show them my, my knowledge of all things, denim and
1: your jean stacks and, and apparel.
0: Hey, yeah. Hey the girl, want to
1: check out my jean stack? The
0: worker jean, the vintage jean, <laughs> the easy fit antique wash jean. That my was God. The how did stellar. I,
1: I, man, how did God. you ever
0: find a partner in life? I am shocked. Uh, Yeah, I have no idea. And I think, I think Mrs. Avitak asks herself that question every single day, probably multiple times a day during the pandemic as well. But, but but yeah, a sad, sad moment, you guys. I mean, we've talked about the gap a lot, but I'm, I'm, I'm saddened. I I
1: am too. I mean, I made a recent purchase from gap within the last week and Purchased online, but I have to tell you, like, it crushed me a little bit. I think I told you this, Chris, but there was like fifteen different discounts that I applied. I think I got like, you know, seven hundred dollars worth of clothing for maybe a hundred dollars, and I was just like, no, I. What can I do? I want you to stay around. Like Gap is my jam. That is like it's just I love it. I'm going to be so sad, and I just think this means what we we all know already is that it's likely just going to be the first nail in the coffin
0: yeah i know emma i mean i don't want to harp on it too much but does the gap mean anything to you at this point gen
2: z definitely i know it's like an iconic american brand i very rarely shop from there but same with Anne. i mean i get their emails and it's discount after discount i just feel bad shopping there because i get clothes for so cheap
0: yeah, the needle in the arm that that has become is just insane, and you almost have to just pull it out and, and start fresh, but it gets to the point where you don't know if you can. But I can remember back in the day, working at the headquarters on Harrison Street, and the conversation was actually, should we put a sales sign in the window for the very first time? That shows you how different that discussion is. And yeah, and I am sad, because that thing is always going to hold a nostalgic uh, place in my heart. Do you Um, think
1: 1990s Chris Walton gap
0: ghost is going to haunt whoever goes into that building next? I think Chris Walton, 1990s gap ghost haunts uh, social media and this podcast almost every single day. It's like that old Seinfeld line. Like men just wear whatever they used to wear when they were last successful dating. That's just the wardrobe that carries forward forever. And I probably want to.
1: And are we sure you were successful dating if you were taking them all to look at your jean stacks at the gap? Luckily, we have a story today in yes, the lineup that is, that is on. going to be from Gap's uh, neighbor in San Francisco. We have a standard Cogn- cognition story. They're just right down the street, right? Yeah,
0: they are. Yeah, we've got some fun stories this week. So yeah, it's a good segue. We've got standard cognition, doing some work with Circle K. Uh, we've got stories around, which actually could be germane to this too. We've got a story with Lucky and Authentic Brands. We're going to talk a little Amazon at the end and some of the quote-unquote kerfuffle. That is their uh, claims against how much legal responsibility they have for items that uh, don't work well on their site that are purchased by their consumers. And we're actually going to start it off talking about just the state of retail in general, because holy crap, I thought last week's podcast was awesome in terms of content. This podcast is just one of those, oh my God, there's so much going on. And it is, it quite frankly, is really hard to make Uh, sense of it all right now based on just what we're seeing throughout the industry. Uh, First, of course, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors because without our sponsors and without their support, they are what makes OmniTalk possible. And our first sponsor is FastCenter. FastCenter is the first AI-powered platform that provides solutions for social distancing, contact tracing, and operational optimization, all tailored to fit your business. With FastSensor, you have the tools necessary to monitor safety, efficiency, and journeys across your organization. Visit FastSensor.com to learn more. And we also just did a podcast with one of FastSensor's co-owners, Kaylin Welch, their EVP of business development. Uh, You can listen to that this week. We talk all about active distance social monitoring and how retailers can deploy that really across their operations, uh, both to understand where customers are and where employees are in space. And lastly, Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. All right. Should we give us, give us a roll, you guys? Let's do it. All right, Let's this get right first. into it. This first headline is all about retail and earnings. So first, retail sales were up in the month of July. On a seasonally adjusted basis, retail sales were actually up about 1.2%. So we're on the upswing. But still, I think that number is important to keep in mind, 1.2%. Because man, we had a flood of earnings statements this week. First, let's hit them. In roll call, the ones that were big. Walmart, U.S. comparable store sales up 9%. Percent, Sam's Club up in the high double digits. Target, this just is absolutely mind-blowing, and we're probably going to spend a ton of time here. 24% comp store sales increase. Unreal. Holy Hannah is all I have to say. <laughs> like, what is going on there? Then you've got Kohl's, where it said revenue fell about 23% in the second quarter. We're going to talk about that. And then TJX came out yesterday and said that their projections for the next quarter, especially around TJ Maxx, the apparel brand, down 20% for uh, what they think is going to happen in the future. That's what they're expecting to happen on the sales side. So you've got tales of multiple cities there, and help me piece this all together, like macro state of the economy, what's happening at these retailers? Why is it happening this way? What the hell is going on? I mean, so
1: here's my like, my two cent breakdown is one, you have Q2, which was largely, you know, people having more money than they've ever had in their lives. A lot of the people, you know, who are getting this extra $600 a week. And You also kind of combine that with limited stores being open. We had a lot of stores that were closed still during this time that were not deemed essential businesses. And, you know, you also have to give some of these retailers, I think, especially Target and Walmart credit for, you know, some of the strategies that they pulled together, like effortlessly pulling off curbside pickup, delivery services, kind of rolling that out really quickly and really putting their workforce toward that. Um, but it kind of I, I think Q2 is this anomaly in retail that we may never see again so I think congrats to these companies they're they're performing really well but you also, and even Brian Cornell in the earnings statement um, that came out yesterday or the day before said, you know, this is a time that I may never see again in my career. Um, and so I think that it's important for these teams to be proud of what they've done uh, over the last, you know, six months that have been crazy times, but also not to get too comfortable here. And that's what I worry about is that people are going to kind of rest on their laurels after those fat uh, checks they're going to get from the stock going up and, um, and then not, you know, continue to push the, the bar for the next couple quarters that I think are going to be more difficult.
0: Yeah, interesting. And I, I think that's, I think that's my question here. And what I want to get to in this podcast today, as I was thinking about it, is like, what are our big takeaways? Like, as we look at this last three months, what have we learned? What do we know? What's different? Like Emma, in your mind, like, what is that for you?
2: I think like takeaways from reading these earnings statements are that the retailers that have focused on omni-channel performance are the ones that are really going to be succeeding in the future. I mean, Walmart and Target, their websites, apps, stores kind of work flawlessly compared to Kohl's and TJX, who haven't really invested that much in every channel of retail they could. So I think the biggest takeaway for me is that you know that omni-channel seamless pickup or seamless performance between all channels is what's really going to make them succeed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that to a point. I think I think that's definitely a point. I think that's definitely a point in terms of I think some of Target's success and especially what they're pointing to in terms of curbside pickup and the amount of engagement they're seeing from customers, not only who shop multi-channel, but who specifically use that type of service. Like the numbers are are pretty ridiculous when you look at them. Um but I think it's all I think it's also more than that. I, I think I think the other takeaways you're seeing, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, but I think is you know, Target and Walmart are just uniquely positioned to capitalize on everything that happened as in the pandemic, right? For They're sure. one-stop shops. You don't want to spend a lot of time in a physical place. They have grocery, which is still deemed an essential business. So for the most part, for the quarter, these guys are still open, mm-hmm. right? You know, the other, the other key piece is they is they, they sell a lot of everything and specifically they sell home furnishings. They sell home improvement tools in a lot of cases. People have been spending money there. And so when I step back and I look macroeconomically and I was, I was actually talking to a friend of mine who's a store manager for target last time. I was like, what the hell's going on? He's like, "Yeah, man, Chris, we're selling everything. You wouldn't believe this." (laughs) And I'm like, why? And he goes, people aren't going on vacations, right? There are stimulus checks. Like you guys said, they're eating at home more. They're not going out to eat. So they just have money to spend in different ways. And I think, you know, as much as I want to say, like, it's the omni channel capabilities of Target, especially given that the show is called OmniTalk Talk and Walmart, there's also a point of it is like, these guys were just built for this. Right. They were built for everything that's come from this pandemic. And kudos to them for capitalizing on it. Whereas you look at the malls and the specialty based retailers, even Kohl's, it's starting to put out warnings for next quarter, too, like saying that business is already slowing down. That isn't the case as much. And so, like, you know, people aren't going to those spots, let alone they were closed. And so you go to a Target or a Walmart, and that's where you're spending your money. And I mean, am I, am I crazy in how I describe that, Anne? What do you think?
1: No, I don't. I mean, you. I think there's a lot of of things at play here, and yeah, you. I think you hit on an important thing where, you know, I'm you. You have a lot of people that are trapped inside. They were trapped inside, and the only place they could go. Like I think about back when I was a new mom, and it was like target trips were like the highlight of my life. And now even now today, I think like, I missed shopping right. and the one place that I've been able to go on my own where I can actually get in, I don't have to wait in line for an hour and a half to get into the store. I can go in, I can have a shopping experience, I can grab a cup of coffee now that the Starbucks are open and stores. it's like yeah, this is a guys. mecca. This is one of the only outlets that we have and you add that into an some extra money in the pocket and and also like the preparation part of it. You know, what what we don't know what's ahead. So now it's like you're stockpiling for the winter. You're trying to get ready. And, and this is an opportunity to do that. So yeah, they're yeah, very it, uniquely positioned.
0: It's such a fascinating turn of events that's happened, you know, I think. And, but I think what it does is it, it does make me ask the question, what does this mean for apparel over the holidays? Like yeah. that is still what I feel really, really concerned about.
1: Well, not Um, just apparel, Chris, too. Like, what does it mean for the rest of the categories? What are your predictions?
0: What like what specific category? Like what do, you, like, do you, what you, do you guys
1: think Q three is going to look like? I mean, are we going to have? I know Chris, you said in a past podcast like we're Thanksgiving is going to be gangbusters and people are going to just have this like crazy Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm curious, Emma, your perspective because you're back in Minneapolis. Like, are you going to go home and do you think you're going to have this big Thanksgiving or like Halloween? Is that going to be crazy on college campuses? Are people buying costumes, hopefully with masks?
2: Uh, but <laughs> But what do you guys think? I mean, I definitely think, like, I think Halloween's going to happen on a college campus. I think I will go home for Thanksgiving, and then I think we'll probably just do it as a family. We usually go to the neighbor's house, but I think it's definitely going to be a smaller kind of event, and I'm not going to fly. I'll probably have to drive that. And so I think the Q3, it's not going to, not everything's not going to drop off, but it's definitely going to be slower than usual.
0: Chris, what about? Yeah, I you? think, and I think, I think to answer your question, I mean, I think, I think the sixty-four thousand dollars question, literally, in some ways, is is also what's happening with the stimulus, right? Walmart un, Target didn't say that that's impacting the business. Walmart did allude to the fact that that's impacting the business, and you would expect it to impact Walmart's business relatively more so. So I think that's something you've got to watch. But I don't know that the trends are going to change. I mean, we still don't know when the vaccine is. Uh, and that's our joke, and like we love watching all the webinars, and they always ask me, oh "So when are we getting a vaccine?" Like, like. F if you know, right? Yeah, CFO
1: of a retailer for twenty four years. When do you think we're going to get a vaccine? Who cares? What Dr. Fauci says. Let's uh, let's ask you over there.
0: Yeah, let's have yeah, let's have Brian Cornell's opinion on meiosis. You know, I don't give You know, I just don't give a crap. (laughs) But like, but anyway, like that's still here. So I think that I think the macro trends of we're going to be eating at home, spending more time as families. I think it'll be the biggest Thanksgiving grocery and liquor holiday we've ever seen. Yeah, same with Christmas. Because people are just going to want to just like let loose in that. I also think like on the home furnishing side, you'll still pe- you'll still see people decorating their homes because they're going to be spending so much time in there. I also think small appliances are going to go like gangbusters. Like they always do around the holidays, but like all those things you need to cook in fun, new and exciting ways since you're not going on vacation and you're not having the spice of life that way. I think that stuff's going to kind of take off and probably some cool gadgets, you know, for the holidays for... For all the you know for all the people out there I don't want to say men but for men and women in general out there I think you'll see that too Halloween though I I don't know like, it's gonna
1: be bananas I think emma's right
0: I just people, can't see people going into stores and tr- buying and trying on costumes like oh, spirit of Halloween opening at stores I just can't see that but
1: I don't know that they'll be going in stores as much, but I think Halloween's going to be like a bananas. It's like one of the first holidays we've been able to have under this pandemic where things are kind of back to normal. 4th of July was like, yeah, we're not quite there yet. But I think, you know, Halloween, people leave all their inhibitions aside. They put that mask on. And now that the mask doubles as protection, oh God, no, they're going to, They'll be out <laughs> in the streets. It'll
0: uh, be crazy. Well, I, I don't think trick we have missing Amin talk yet and I haven't had this conversation, but I don't know that we're doing trick or treating this year. Are you like what is, Anyway? There's we a sh- lot to should, think about
1: there. Yeah, there's a we could do, do a our whole own show on Halloween. Something. Yeah. And different come, to, come,
0: to come. But man, so much still Chris, hanged, Are you so gonna m- be
1: a lumberjack?
0: <laughs> i'm always a lumberjack <laughs> all right all right let's
1: go to story are you, number two are,
0: are you canadian
1: based on what you're wearing today canadian tuxedo <laughs> that's Shut it um, canadian that's listeners right. too. Uh, Okay, so story number two is that Simon Property Group and Authentic Brands Group are, once again, the winning bidders and will acquire the denim maker Lucky Brand for a sale price of $140 million. Uh, The two in a venture now known as Spark announced Thursday evening that they are set to assume the role of core licensee and operating partner for Lucky. So they'll oversee all sourcing, product design and development running all the retailers stores in North America and its e-commerce business. And Lucky has about 175 stores in North America.
0: Let's you just say,
1: story. no, I, I mean, love, love is not exactly the term I'd use, but I think for people who've been listening to the show for a while, they know how I used to get my tinfoil hat out for Amazon, Um, I'm going to get my monopoly board out right now for this Simon property group and authentic brands, uh, world domination, because I believe you guys that this is like, I called it like the mall metamorphosis. I think this is going to be something that we're going to be reading about for the next 20 years in retail. Chris, you talk about all the time, like every 20 to 30 years, there's this shift in how, and what, what's happening in retail. And there has been since the 1800s. And I think that this is the shift that's going to define 2020. And Simon Property Group and Authentic Brands are going to be two of the biggest players in the game. I mean, you look at some of their recent acquisitions, um, you know, instead of the the, like Baltic Avenue and Marvin Gardens, it's Lucky Brand, it's Brooks Brothers and countless others that are going to follow. And ABG and Simon property groups, they're holding all the paper money. Like they're putting all their little greenhouses and hotels on all these properties. And I think it's only a matter of time. We already know that they've talked to, you know, JC Penney's and they're looking at the, the park place and boardwalk is next and that's Macy's. And I think that Macy's is going to be the next chip that could fall for these two. And once they have control of, you know, the brands is one thing but the leases are quite another. And I think that when you are able to own everything that's in on that monopoly board or in that mall, and you can start thinking about unified fulfillment services, unified point of sale, you're changing what the future mall will be. And I think it's only a matter of time. So that's now I'm going to go back into my underground bunker with my cans of Campbell's soup and let you guys weigh in on this one.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting theory that you're postulating and just to you know rewind it for everyone you're basically saying like these two entities are buying up everything in the mall so they can refashion the mall in whatever form and fashion quote-unquote they want to um which is an interesting idea and it's something we've talked about in terms of how the mall needs to be redeveloped for the future and we've talked about how that might be what amazon is inherently interested into you know talk to talk to different experts some people might say you're onto something talk to other experts they say like neither side has a clue in trying to do that. And there's a whole host of different elements that at play here. But I mean, if you're saying what you're saying, like that's a, that's like, it's a massive bet on a massive scale because at the end of the day, you still have to solve the demand problem too, which is why am I coming to these locations anyway? And why do I care about any of these brands when people really kind of aren't caring about them? But you're right. And the other part is like, these brands still do a ton of volume. Like we're talking billions of dollars in annual volume and these companies are being sold for, you know, I think it was a hundred and something for, uh, like you said, for, uh, uh, lucky and 300 yeah. for brothers. So right. I don't know, Emma, do you think Anne's crazy or well, I should say, I should say <laughs> <more crazy. laughs> don't answer that question, Emma?
2: No, I think I'm really hopeful that the mall gets reimagined through all these acquisitions. So I definitely, I'm on, and I'm on, and staying with this.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, Is that what they're doing here? We'll find out, I guess. We will find out. Emma, speaking of like bringing brands back from the dead, this story is cool.
2: All right. So Payless Shoe Source is back, but without the shoe source. So after emerging from from bankruptcy for the second time in January 2020 and shuttering its remaining U.S. stores in June 2019, their new website is live at Payless.com. They're planning on opening their first prototype store in Miami. And then they're also planning on opening between 300 to 500 freestanding stores over the next five years. So of course I went to payless.com and I was like, all right, let's see. Cause I remember Payless from my childhood days going to the you know, dark store that was in the mall and getting a new pair of shoes that was gonna last for about six months. And I went in with an open mind and I gotta say I was quite disappointed. Really so why? For each, well, for each category of shoes, like if you go into women's shoes and then you go through the different types of shoes, they have about four shoes listed for each category. And they're all brands that I don't recognize. Therefore, I like don't connect with the offerings that they have. And then I watched their new like Pay Less is back video, and the models they use are primarily my age, except they're wearing shoes that I don't think from brands that I don't think anyone my age would recognize. And what I thought was really funny was the shoe that they're like hyping up the most is the comeback of the K-Swiss, which when I was home, my dad was talking about like, they wore those in college in the late 80s and early 90s. And like, those aren't cool with people my age yet. So I don't really know what they're doing. I also don't think that the physical store expansions are the best idea. I really think they should focus on digital and develop like an app like Nike has where you can try on shoes with your phone. But yeah, I just, it was confusing the marketing and I don't think that they're targeting the correct generation of people.
0: Interesting. Okay, we might have some different takes on this one. I know Anne's been, Anne's been more in this kind of market mindset, I think too, as a mom and trying to buy her three-year-old shoes lately. And what, what do you think? here? Again, and like I always say, it's like week one of the debut of some of these stories. So I do think we always have to temper, you know, some of what we're seeing right now. But Ann, what do you think here?
1: You know, I actually had an opposite opinion. I think that... I'm I was really I'm hopeful in seeing this because they're one of these retailers that have been through bankruptcy and we're starting to see them emerging with like their new strategy. And to me the go to market strategy for them looks like we're going in on digital first and stores second. Like they had I think two over 2000 stores before they went they filed for bankruptcy. And now they're going in they're saying, no, we're going to do like 300 to 500 stores tops within the next five years. And we're going to start with a prototype in Miami. We're going to see how it goes. Now I'm a little concerned about the amount of like AR Try-On and Magic Mirrors and some of the other things that they're kind of jamming in this uh, because I still think that there's value for people, especially at a price point that PayLoss is at, to going in and trying some shoes on. So I think it's still an experience that makes sense for a physical store location. Um, But I think that they're smart to kind of go digital first and try to amplify that platform for buying. And then, um, you know, slowly learn from the prototype store in Miami and continue to roll out stores based on what they're learning in those locations. But, you know, I think that Chris and I talked earlier this week about um, whether or not you, what you need to come to a physical store for anymore. And and do you still need the taction and try on? And I think that we forget that not everyone in the country can order four pairs of shoes and see what size best fits yep, their two kids. That's right. And so there is still a value in having an experience like this, where you can get an affordable pair of shoes. You still need them. Even in a pandemic, the kids still need something to put on their feet. And it's really hard to know this, even with the, the printout thing that they have on the website, where you can put your kid's foot on there. It's hard to see what makes sense by brand when you're not able to try them on in person. So I'm hopeful for what they're doing.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the, the one phrase we always, always used to use when you're selling patio furniture and why I was always pushing for that business to go online even harder was you don't really have a patio furniture emergency. Like, you know, it doesn't happen. Like you're not something like, Oh my God, I have to have that for today. Right. With shoes, you, you can still have that and you can mm-hmm. definitely still have that with kids shoes as well, where it's like all of a sudden the kid's toe is bursting through the front of that thing and you don't know what to do. And you're right. You're on a budget. And you can't necessarily do it that way. And, uh, and the other thing is like, it's still a pretty complicated process. Like we interviewed Gen Z, which is technology around size and fitting, which I still absolutely love. And and those guys are actually going for funding right now to continue to build out the idea. They're having a lot of success where, you know, basically it's how do you get better science around what exactly, which brands fit and whatnot. Am I hear your points? I think it's, I think it's early. I also think whether or not you have the right brands and marketing, like, Okay. Those are all fixable things. I think at the end of the day, you know, like what is the right strategy to figure out how to tap into the need states that people still have around the friction of buying this category? Uh, And the other thing we didn't talk about is I, Ann brought it up a little bit is they're going after this smartly. Like they're starting with test stores and then trying to incubate from there. And they're doing this all with leases as a percent of sales. So they said they won't commit to anything long term, And so, especially as they're trying to understand what works and what doesn't. And I think that's really smart. Yeah, for me, the one caveat I would say is don't overtech it, right? Just get a solid foundation in place, even to, even to the critiques Emma said, get a solid foundation in place, both online and digitally in terms of the basic experiences you have to provide and then start to iterate up from there. Be more MVP in your mindset versus trying to throw the latest and greatest and magic mirrors and fitting technology into these experiences. Cause at the end of the day you need to solve, you know, the problems that are endemic to that shopper. So, all right, cool. Well, I've got the next one. This one's pretty quick, but some big news out of the cashier list checkout free, uh, front last week, circle K announced that they will deploy a checkout free test store in my hometown of Phoenix, Arizona in 2021. Can't wait to see that. Uh, And they're doing it in partnership with Standard Cognition. And you fought hard for this one. I don't have too much to add on this one, other than I think it's important for people to know. Standard Cognition, pretty quiet in the checkout-free landscape. Why Combinator, kind of sexy, everyone's always talking about them, but had not really announced anything to date of substance. What do you love about this, Ann? (laughs) Okay.
1: I kind of think this is a bigger deal than we realize. And okay. one, it's because I I do, I mean, Standard Cognition had a deal with like a Japanese company back in like 2018, mm-hmm. but this is a huge launch. I mean, it, the Circle K stores, there's like almost 15,000 stores internationally should they decide to roll this out and should this work. The other thing that I think is interesting about this, and I don't know if you guys have seen, I haven't, I wasn't able to find anybody actually like demoing this, but uh, oh. it says that you know, they're retrofitting these stores. So they're not putting in shel- new shelving. They're not doing anything. They're just putting in overhead cameras, yeah, which means that it could go into like any of the existing convenience stores and future remodels without a lot of investment in like shutting down the store. And if this works, which I'm, I can, I'm, I'm still waiting to find out right. how it works. Um, it could be a really big deal and could put them, uh, give them a lever up in terms of competition with, you know, 7-Eleven who's working on this technology and even Amazon Go. Um, the uh, this average circle K2 is 3,200 square feet, which is a pretty significant footprint. It's like twice the size of some of the Amazon Go stores that we've seen. And I looked at a lot of the new remodels. There are quite a few windows on the front of those Circle Ks, which we know mm-hmm. will make things interesting, especially when you're not using anything else at the shelf level. You're just using cameras and um, running. Um, Do you,
0: we know for sure that they're not using anything else at this point? It's or is that, it that's
1: what they said in the they're Standard Cognition the press release. Vision. With uh, Yeah, it's strictly computer vision. So yeah. um, And they also say that you don't have to scan anything to come in. So I'm knowledge. curious how that's going to work. So yeah. there's a lot of questions in that press release mm-hmm. that I was like,
0: I want to mm-hmm. see
1: this for myself. So go on with yeah. your bad self standard cognition. Let's see what, let's see what you do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what, and I, and I want to keep the pace moving here, but I guess that's where like, I, I think, I think this story is important because there the examples of this are stu- still few and far between, right? Mm-hmm. You have Trigo's experimentation with Tesco still not fully open to the public. As far as I'm aware, 7-Eleven announced their own employee store, but nothing public other than go implementations, but only a computer vision employee store. Same with Aho. AFI has a few smaller installations. Smart Shelf has you know, an installation. I think it's in, like in a retirement community in like San Diego or something like that, California. Don't it's call me right? that. <laughs> yeah. But like, there really isn't that much there. And then we've seen this landscape peppered with rumors of, hey, are we are going to have this test store at this date, and then nothing ever comes of it. Like I can remember those This back as there's going to be a 40,000 square foot grocery store open to the public in October 19 and then a different company, October 18. And none of those have come to fruition. So I'm still waiting to see, but yeah, standard cognition has been the one that's quiet. They've gotten a ton of money. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. This whole month in convenience store history is going to go down uh, pretty crazy dash mart this this example. There's a there's just a ton yeah, happening. Cody in
1: this space. and GoPuff. yeah, Cody yeah. and
0: GoPuff. Yeah, yeah, lots of stuff. All right, Anne, why don't you bring us home?
1: All right, last story. So, an appeals court in California has ruled that Amazon can, in fact, be liable for third party sellers' defective products. After a woman in California purchased a laptop battery from an Amazon Marketplace vendor. Uh, that arrived in Amazon packaging and later caught fire and caused her third-degree burns. So Amazon plans to appeal the decision saying that the court's decision was wrongly decided and is contrary to the well-established law in California and around the country that service providers are not liable for third-party products they do not make or sell.
2: Thoughts?
0: Do you guys? agree with this? Emma, do you agree with this? Do you agree with Amazon's position or how do you think about this?
2: Responsible for knocking those third-party sellers that have defective products they should like knock them off the website but i i'm not a lawyer but i don't think that amazon should be directly responsible for a third-party seller's defective product
0: why just for you as a consumer why
2: that just makes sense in my head amazon didn't Mm -hmm. make the product they didn't like directly sell the product to a consumer the third party Mm -hmm. vendor did Mm -hmm. therefore they shouldn't be responsible for something they did not make
0: Got it. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. and what do you think?
2: So Chris, you and I talked
1: about this and we're saying like the analog here, if you're looking at Amazon strictly as a retailer would be if something is defective at a target that I bought at a target or a Walmart, they would be responsible for pulling that off the shelf. So if I return the product or something happened, target or Walmart is responsible mm-hmm. because they're I, the
0: seller quote unquote.
1: Correct. Now I think that I'm going to, well, go ahead, Chris, you say what you, you, you sure I know. Yeah. I'm curious. What yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, I think this is a, a quite a quote unquote, close your ears. Everyone. I think mean, it's a bullshit argument. I really do. I mean, I think, you know, Amazon, you're taking the consumer's money. You're playing in the gray area of a technology and a transaction that just hasn't existed before in the scope of the law. In my opinion, you are, let's call it what it is. You are still the retailer in this equation. And your point about Target's right. I mean, I used to run the baby area and I can remember all the product recalls that were mm-hmm. happening and how I personally felt responsible when you know a crib didn't work well or a baby seat didn't work well. And we had to get that stuff off the shelf. To say you have no responsibility in this whatsoever, I just don't agree. Because the analog of basically what's happening here, if you stop and think about it is, yes, it's a marketplace arrangement. It's a third-party seller. Well, I could have a physical store. Let's use a Target banner again. I could use a Target banner And I could have a physical store and I could have a scan and go operation and basically Target's running the point of sale for everything, but the actual seller of that product on that shelf happens to be the third party vendor, but everything else is actually procured by Target. How would you think about it in that situation? Because that's exactly what's happening here. And so I don't see the dichotomy. I think these are arcane rules. They're saying they're a services provider. That's what Amazon is. Baloney. That's See, something completely separate, I'm, in my opinion. What do you think?
1: I'm going to play devil's advocate here and okay. wonder what happens. If we know Walmart's marketplace, Target's going into a marketplace, if marketplaces become the next direction that all of these retailers are going in and this becomes a wider, more widely adopted way of shopping and running your retail business, will the this become, will they have to move to this model where it's, look, buyer beware. And I think the, the, the thing that I would compare it to is almost like buying something on Facebook marketplace. Do you hold Facebook responsible for the, you know, the bike that you bought on Facebook marketplace? If it breaks, no, that's something that you expect when you're buying something at a value. And, and I think that's what Amazon's doing here. You're buying a cheaper version of the product. And when you're, you know, for the amount of work that it would take, as we get to be bigger marketplaces, like for the that financial investment, if that increases the prices of products on the marketplace, does that change for buyers? Are buyers saying like, nope, I, you know what? I don't care. I'd rather have a cheaper product and take my chances with it, and you know, have me be the one that's responsible for whatever could happen with it because I chose the cheaper product. You know, are people willing to pay that premium for this kind of? capability.
0: I guess yeah, I don't know. I think we're in a whole host of consumer protection gray areas here when you're talking about the differences between a multi, multi-billion dollar retailer, like an Amazon Target or yep. a third party marketplace, and a coordinated transaction between two individuals, you know, on Facebook or Craigslist. And there's a whole host of different things that go on, you know, within that scheme. And also how is the transaction actually being handled? I think is an important part of that in terms of like the Facebook transaction. Facebook taking that money and acting as the, uh, you know, as the quote unquote retailer? Some cases, yes. Some Some cases, cases, yes. yes, Depends on who it is. As we
1: increased Facebook shop and Instagram shop, I think that's going to start to come into play.
0: Exactly. Depending on how third party that is. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, I think there's just so many grayers here. And if anything, I think it speaks to the fact that the laws are not keeping up with this and the laws haven't been keeping up with a lot of things for a long time in regards to tech. And that's been in the media a lot. But I think this is another great example. And I think that personally, I think this example is this one, this excuse from Amazon is hard for me to swallow for those reasons, because I could actually legitimately see a physical store operating that way. And wouldn't be surprised if that's actually isn't already in uh, Amazon's purview. And I've already seen other companies talk about trying to set up physical marketplaces too. So like, I don't think any one of us would go into a physical marketplace and say, buyer beware on anything that might burn my house down. (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah. I'm, let's be clear. We're hoping that everybody, S- especially is the safe name. products,
0: yeah, right. especially with a name like one of those companies behind it. So, right. right on that note, that was a fun show. We got into a lot of fun topics, a lot of a lot of good chuckles today. I uh, hope everyone has a really awesome weekend. School is gearing up. Emma, you're like back in school. You're gonna start school. What's going on?
2: September eighth is the first day of classes. However, don't know anything about
0: what I'm taking, if I have to go to campus, you know, the usual. So, so definitely stick around and listen to us in OmniTalk because you can hear all the travels and travails of Emma as she tries to start up her graduate school program at the University of Minnesota. Anne and I will be holding down the fort as always on OmniTalk. Again, we've got some cool announcements coming your way hopefully here in the next few weeks. As always, remember to like, review, and subscribe to our podcast and listen to our podcasts and our videos on YouTube or wherever you happen to listen and watch your favorite podcasts and videos. Every little difference makes a difference to us. And as always, be careful out there.